Welcome to our podcast, Revival in Jesus' Way. Disciple making is Jesus' way to change the world. This is the one mission that his people should focus on. There is only one way, his way, to create lasting transformation. And God is calling his church to wake up. I'm your host, Tim Cahill. And I am Yin Yan Xu. Now we are at the series called Foundation Series. Foundation Series is a list of topics which needs to be settled in a new Christian's life before they can continue to deeper Christian growth. We hope this series to be helpful to you in two ways. First, for your own growth. Test yourself if you have clarity and wrestle with any doubts on those areas. Second, for helping others, do you know how to bring clarity to the people you are discipling or to answer to a non-believer's question on those areas? Uh, for example, miracle, that's our today's topic. They won't just naturally get it as you become friends unless someone intentionally wrestles with the truth and answers their questions. Today we're going to talk about miracles, namely those supernatural God's actions. God, since God exists, then God acts. Mm, 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 that's right. Yeah, so today we're talking about miracles, and we're talking about really God's action in the world. And uh, is it reasonable that God acts in the world? Um, and we're, we're aiming towards three different people. One is people who vaguely believe in kind of spirituality, but in general, specifically disagree with biblical miracles. Another is people who once believed, either they once believed in the faith, uh, in the Christian faith, or they, they once believed strongly that miracles do happen and they did happen, but they've moved away from that because they haven't seen answers to certain prayers. And also we want to help people who believe miracles are not scientific or rational to believe. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. So we're trying to, in general, talk about the reasonableness of, of seeing that God acts in the world. So I, and to begin, I want to give my own story because I think it'll give a good background of where I'm coming from in talking about this topic. and how my experience has really played into shaping and my exploring this topic. This has really been a topic, uh, I think, along with the problem of evil, this has been one of the big topics that I've thought about and wrestled through with God over a long time. So I grew up in more a charismatic church, a non-denominational church, where people really believed and saw miracles. My the The small group that kind of became this church came from a lot of those big kind of revivalist moments that happened that were some big kind of miraculous things happened. Like the leader of the church was a former biker gang leader who was wife was a stripper and they were transformed by Christ into really where they couldn't be in that environment anymore. It was a huge transformation. Their lives completely took a 180-degree change. Mm -hmm. so um, their life testimony is it was a miracle, a big miracle. Yeah, and they and it wasn't just them, but it was a lot of people in this area. My, I have aunts who experienced these miraculous kind of, these miraculous changes and and letting go of drug use, and also an experience of seeing healings, 
of seeing really God act and answering prayers. There's just there was so much of that in their story and in the story of this church that it really became part of the DNA. So I remember growing up as a kid and and being inundated into that environment where there was a lot of answered prayer. There was things that very specifically looked and in every way seemed like it was a miracle. You could really tell that there were miraculous things happening. However, as I was growing up, I often uh, felt I didn't see my own prayers answered. And this began to kind of stifle my my early kind of childhood, just general belief in God and in his power in the world. And what mm-hmm. further added to that was, especially later in in my in my life as a young person, I was baptized actually at the age of 12, although my foundation in the Christian faith was not very deep, and it was kind of a family thing to do once you got to a certain age. Uh, in, the, in the Sunday school class I went to, they basically, once you graduated from Sunday school, you were supposed to be baptized because it was expected, oh, now you know enough, you've made a confession, you, know, you were supposed to really go home and think about it, make a confession of your faith, and now you're going to go and be baptized. Um, but I would say that it, I didn't really have much of real faith to really know what salvation meant at that time. But uh, later on, something that really shook my faith and was in this topic of miracles. My uncle uh, died of cancer uh, when I was a younger teenager, and uh, we all really experienced the whole process of him, kind of his life kind of fading, and it was very hard, especially on my cousins, on my aunt. And this experience and just seeing so many people pray for him and uh, pray the for his health. Yeah, the whole family the praying. And also one of my cousins was given what he really felt like was a prophecy from God to say that he would save his dad. But then in the end, we saw his life kind of physically fade more and more. And uh, we didn't see him healed, even though it seemed like there were these confirmations or these things. So it really, this was a major point. It really got me thinking about miracles. I, I had Something like I had seen these miraculous things happen when I was younger. I had seen real answers to prayer with real, really like being in hard, difficult situations and God coming through supernaturally. Like Mm -hmm. again and again, we would sometimes receive exactly enough money because we grew up pretty poor. So we would need money for bills or something like that. They would be ready to turn off electricity. We wouldn't tell anybody. We would pray about it. And really someone would just all of a sudden provide exactly that much money without anybody knowing. There was no one going out and secretly saying these things to other people. No one knew, but we, and we, sometimes we'd get boxes of food. Just suddenly the church, just people would say, yeah, just drop to your home. Sometimes even randomly, people didn't even know us. I'm, and, and so I, I had this confidence that God acts, but then this really challenged my belief. That why didn't God physically heal him? If God can act that miracle, then God can act in, on this miracle. So why God acting this way and not acting that way? Exactly. So so that's that's uh, also um, uh, my confusion too. Like in the previous episode that um, I said, actually we started this podcast is one month after my dad suddenly passed away in mm. very young age. Um, in China during the pandemic time, when when the pandemic uh, 
just broke out in China one or, one or two months after that. So I we were completely shocked because we uh, we we planned a future with them. We we want to live together with them and to um, uh, really enjoy the uh, intergenerational family live together. You know the the, the joy and also my dad. Uh, just begin to more and more embrace this faith, and he began to share the gospel. He began to memorize verses, um, and uh, my mom has such a hope to, uh, you know, co-work with him in the uh, Great Commission, and also um, uh, the the hometown house church that they have been a, a, a part of the leadership that uh, just set out to to begin, and I and I was thinking when I first heard about it, he was in a uh, hospital. And when the thing, uh, my relative told me the things went really bad, even at that time, I think it was such a spiritual attack. Mm -hmm. um, God saved him from that and he will not die. Mm -hmm. um, he will not die. And mm -hmm. it can be, it's so hard. First, my mom, fell and went to the hospital and three days after that mm. my dad passed away in a because he was the caregiver and then he he tried to improve his kidney problem but just to improve but then he died of heart attack that he uh, the one or two years be, before his passing he uh, went to hospital so frequently tried to fix his kidney problem and then no, do no doctor even point out he has that problem, mm -hmm. and then like God, why, why didn't you remind us? We we pray so much for his healing, um, for his health in the last one or two years. Why none of the prayers listen? So my whole world was darkened, mm -hmm. and then it's like our whole family we we try to bind up together has one heart for your mission. And isn't that better that if my my parents and Tim and I, we all strive for your kingdom um, for a while, and and you gave him a long, a long happy life. You can heal him, heal heal his kidney problem, right? Even those hidden health issues. So it's the the why why why, and then for that first month, I even I can I could not go to church. I could not pray. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know what to pray, and uh, isn't that God try to? Isn't that God lead us to learn about uh, the charismatic side, the spirit, spirit filled side mm -hmm. of um, this phase, and learn about healing prayer? And even that, we we join the uh, uh, the OSL group. It's mm -hmm. called uh, the the Order of Saint Luke. Mm -hmm. It's the organization. It, it's a um, very biblical organization for um, teaching people about healing prayer and healing healing ministry. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking, and, and many people pray for them. And even until now, um, my mother hasn't recovered yet, mm -hmm. and she's herself gotten many help along the way. But but kind at least God heal her more quickly. So to cover our pain of you know losing a loved one like you know so much of those questions actually um 
uh, linger in my mind that I can even write a book. Mm. You know, all, all those. I think mm. it's all those questions a normal person would would ask. Mm. Uh, you know, on, on and off. And mm, that's right. Yeah. And again, it's it's very it's very hard and it's very difficult going through those things and and really wrestling with it, especially because like Anne said, what God really led us to right before that actually was um, through kind of this through this Biola apologetic classes had been studying like the topic of miracles. And then we also at OSL, we were studying, we were really praying for people and things like that. And we were hearing stories of people who had been healed and things like that. We've even seen it in our own life. Yeah, right. And I wrote a few papers and those things and did research, you know, reading through Craig Keener's book on miracles and different arguments uh, for God's action in the world and things like that. But then right after that, we had all this tragedy that that comes all of a sudden and it seems like God is not answering. So that that's kind of just to understand some of our that it's actually very difficult for us in even making this episode this is one thing actually struggle wanted to make it last week but then making it we end up making it this week just because it's it's really hard even though we understand some of these things we've worked through some of these things still there's a lot of pain associated with it so we're not kind of just abstractly talking about these things but really it's it's from our own deeply wrestling Mm -hmm. and struggling through to really see what is answer. is it really reasonable to believe that God acts in the world yeah, so there, there's two different ways that we can we can come out of this, uh, and two wrong. There's two wrong answers, and then there is the truth, which is in between those two things. Uh, one part is is you say from these events having happened, well, I guess God just doesn't act in the world, and just being being convinced that this proves that that God doesn't act. Yeah, tragedy he can drive people too quickly conclude that mm. well i i guess god just doesn't act mm. uh even those accounts in the bible they just they just don't count mm. uh, why i don't want to think about it because i'm too painful mm. exactly yeah and yeah it's too painful to think about it and it's just if he didn't act in this case then it it just i just want to give it up so that's one way and then Another one is just kind of ignoring all these things and saying, well, this and this and this is true uh, about God, the way that I see it. Uh, And I just by, in a way, like just going to ignore those things and just say, well, anytime I pray, it's it's just going to happen no matter what. So and so there's if you block out the evidence, if you block out these these things that really happen that's another way to kind of get off the scale i think to to be in the to to have the wrong thinking about it we kind of we need a view that's in between those two that doesn't just reject god's action because of the pain but then at the same time it doesn't try to just say well i'm just going to ignore all of that and i'm just going to say that uh, this and this and this ignore and god ignore should the pain. ignore the pain ignore the reality you know, ignore the reality of these times, these times that are very hard that really prayer is not answered and just kind of giving like a, a very, um, a very shallow or inauthentic statement that, oh, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And then, but this is, we, I still believe 
the exact same thing about yeah, God's action in the world. That, because in our family, nobody dare to say God acts in a mysterious way. It's such a cliche. <laughs> sure, it is a cliche. One way that I, I think starting out to think about this issue in a logical way from the beginning is think about in a situation we imagine a world where a miracle really did happen. And we want to think about what does it mean to, for those people believing in it, why are they justified in it? And then are, so are, and then are we in turn justified in it? So imagine with me and the, the Exodus story, most people know it when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And imagine for me that that really happened, uh, whether you're a believer or not. Um, and so that you really, that Moses really led the people of Egypt the people of Israel out of Egypt, that there are these different miracles, these different plagues that happen, these 10 plagues. They're very obvious. They were very big. You see Moses going in and, and talking to Pharaoh. And you see these miracles. Now, I want you to imagine once they've, they've traveled for 40 years and they've begun to enter the promised land and that old generation has died off, this second generation, which didn't directly see those 10 plagues and things like that, what would they think about the the ten plagues? Do you think that they would believe they happened, or do you think that they would think that oh well, it, that that's impossible? Miracles uh, miracles shouldn't happen in the world. I think that in they their case, believe. they would believe. I think it would just be very obvious that they they would believe. And and part of it, there's some different reasons for that, right? All the stories that people tell, all the, the life stories and the things about their life and things like that, the things they remember, their memories, this would be a huge part of it. That every person that they hear, that they talk to, would tell them about, oh, I remember the time when you know this, the fire was literally falling from the sky after Pharaoh had again uh, denied to let us go out of Egypt. I remember when the land was covered with frogs and it was just all of a sudden there had never been frogs like that and there were frogs ever and you you hear these stories again and again not just from one person but reconfirmed from another person and another person and another person so that it's uh there there's these believable witnesses they aren't people who have any reason to to lie about it right that's one thing like there's but can people say that uh, Asian people are just silly? Well, at that time they wouldn't, right? Because they, that's the same, that's just one generation before them, and it's everybody. So in that case, if you're thinking about being that generation, you don't have any, it's your parents, it's people who are close to you, it's people you know. It's not like some foreign weird person it's people you you know no, and you know what i mean reason. is uh, nowadays people would say people thousands of years ago they could not think clearly and also because there was no science people are not people are just not smart All right so and, and i think so and that kind of leads to another angle of how they're figuring this out and and the way they're figuring this out is not really by using science it's actually by using uh, some of just basic logic right they in this case those things that kind of come out of science and things like that it doesn't really apply because it has to do with just this is just basically 
reporting for them it's just reporting something they saw right it's something they experienced it's that they really experienced this and this this crazy thing out of their normal experience happened like we're not talking about something that was like from the results of some experiment or something like that right we're talking about something that is just based on what they had seen uh, themselves yeah so but you can imagine in this story that those people in that next generation that they would have confidence because they wouldn't have any counter witnesses they would have these these people in their generation telling them these stories about what had happened um there would be kind of the mysterious the fact that they went from egypt they'd see like they had these egyptian jewels and things like that but then how did they come from egypt actually mm -hmm. to be in this land like that needs an explanation that's an evidence yeah and also everybody say that everybody gave the similar account mm -hmm. so if this is not true then it need to be a conspiracy collective conspiracy of mm. everybody lied and everybody should lie in the same way yeah exactly and what was their motivation yeah what, what are they making up a story about so mm -hmm. all i'm doing by this is showing that it's possible in a situation people can there can be miracles and someone who didn't see those miracles can actually really have good reason to believe that those miracles happened mm -hmm. um and so this gets into, uh, so we, there are these different tests. How do we know if a, today, how can we say if a miracle has happened, whether back in history, so like a long time ago, like in the biblical days or nowadays? Like how can we know? So there are these three tests that we should run in order to see if a miracle has really happened. One is thinking through the types of logic. What what kind of reasoning are we using in order to figure out whether or not a miracle has happened? Two is to think about some of these main objections people bring up. So we'll, we'll talk through those, but are these objections really valid? Three is thinking about why does God act as he does, right? It, we, we need to have a grasp on why God acts as he, as he does in order to really be able to grasp and really be able to wrap our minds around and really be able to have the heart to explore is this a miracle or not mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so the for the first part about logic right so there's different kinds of of in logical theory or in and what the the basic forms of logic that are used um, there's three forms of that there's deductive inductive or adductive and deductive logic is taking different true statements and inferring something as as they as they go along so you take a true statement uh, like we talked about for god's existence everything that begins to exist has a cause you take any true statement for a deductive argument and then you add another statement so the example we gave in the previous podcast was um, the universe had a beginning so we, from the first mm -hmm. statement we can see that the second statement is true and then we're going to go into a conclusion that the universe does have a cause we're, we're not using deductive logic for the, the exodus story so deductive logic is a way of thinking and it's a way of saying like well oh, this happened so what we're using in this exodus story is more of abductive logic so um these are just different ways of reasoning and figuring out if something what, what has happened that? so inductive logic is like saying like Oh well, a certain percentage of the, of people do this, 
So this is probably true. So it's talking about something that's probably true for inductive logic. Um, and use some inductive logic here, right, in some way, maybe saying like, oh, well, this many people all say that this happened. So probably this happened, you know, but then the main thing we're using is called abductive logic. So that's um, logic, um, basically reasoning from the best explanation from possible options. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking through like, what are the possible options in a miracle situation? One option is, did that person lie? Right. Mm -hmm. Is that person could lie or is that person is crazy? That person yeah. Lie. Did that or that person or did that group of people lie? Uh, are they crazy? crazy? Yes. Uh, uh, had a delusion. Yeah. Are they delusional? That's mm -hmm. right. Did they did they see something that happened and they thought it was one thing or was it actually something else? Mm -hmm. Right. That's another option. So like you're thinking through these different options and your reasoning is this is what they're saying that happened. The most likely conclusion from those things mm -hmm. and so we see like in the exodus story um in this very clear example where we're imagining a story where there is a miracle in this possible world um you are they're, they're using this kind of logic with that group of people well yes they it because everyone agrees because there's no reason for them to lie because of this it means that one, everyone wouldn't be crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've seen that they're not crazy. You've interacted with them in other ways. So you know the people group that is talking is sane. You know that they're not lying because there's no reason for them to lie. Um, and their answers seem to conjoin with, like, the reality of what's happened. Mm -hmm. You know, you know that they're not maybe imagining it because these things are so kind of big and they're mm -hmm. so obvious and they're so mm -hmm. accepted across from different perspectives. People see that this has happened, that, you know, it's not just something someone like missed or someone was like, oh, well, I thought it was this, but it wasn't this. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what and it's a very so it's you can see it's a very solid way of reasoning because it has to be one of these options. Mm -hmm. So one one example, just real quick to finish up this area is that. Uh, thinking about who would use this kind of logic and you think about detectives or in a lot of jobs this is used so mm -hmm. like in a detective case like yeah. you'll say or, like mm -hmm. or in a court case or a lot of things you'll say like well what happened here you know if you're investigating employees and you think someone is stealing you you realize the money has been taken you mm -hmm. say well what is the explanation for this is it true that maybe the money just got lost well, is there some place for it to get lost? Is who all has access? If only one person has access, then it probably didn't just get lost. You know, mm -hmm. it, it it can't just magically come out of the um, cashier. But this is very valid way of reasoning, right? It may not be scientific to the point to where you're not running experiments mm -hmm. and everything, but you can really tell, hey, did what happened to this money? So you're figuring it out. What is the best explanation? And then you can reason out to actually determine whether or not that person should be fired. Because if only one person had access, only one person had the key, that money is missing, that person has a new hat that they couldn't afford before. Mm -hmm. It's very obvious, hey, this person probably stole this money. We mm -hmm. should fire that person. You know, that it's, we, we will make a choice based mm -hmm. on an abductive way of reasoning. And we mm -hmm. feel confident that that was a good choice. We didn't make a big mistake um, mm -hmm. unless mm -hmm. some new evidence comes out. So it's based on the evidence and facts we can already know. Mm -hmm. And then to come up with different uh, options and see which one is most real. Mm -hmm. So like the Exodus story, 
uh, such a big group of people left Egypt. It's not like just in the Old Testament, there are such kind of recordings. In those Egyptian history should be mm. some, I, I don't know the name, but they should have some, right? And other history book, it's mm. just in other history book, maybe it's not so clear about the 10 plagues. There are some good reasons for believing that that has happened. Um, the second test is, I think there are two main objections that people will bring out against Miracles. One is that science has kind of explained away all miracles, and we have, yeah, we've been discussing this over time, but again, science is a specific kind of thing, right? I think, and the other day when we were talking about it, you said that science talks about these um, regular patterns. It discovers information about these regular patterns of things, but actually to try to expect something that's discovering things about regular patterns to be able to know about miracles, which are not a regular pattern, right? Mm-hmm. It's God's action according to um, his personality, according to how he desires to act. Mm-hmm. It's not something regular that you can just study in that way. It's, uh, it's, it's different. That's one reason why a lot of times people talk about psychology and they um, kind of put it on the outskirts of uh, science and a lot of times don't call it a hard science in that way because even with just people right who you can observe regularly um, it's very hard to predict and it's very hard to make a lot of determinations out of people's mm-hmm. actions what what people are and, and and what they they really mean by things and mm-hmm. that's why so science isn't really a good tool for figuring out miracles mm-hmm. right and well, science can be used in some way for example if they uh, dig out a, a, a tomb or something mm. from that time and then they use some kind of a ways to study about those bones mm. or things, you know, mm-hmm. that part. Just like in the murder case, science should be used when they study the dead body, mm-hmm. uh, can test the blood, see the, uh, the fingerprint, those mm. things. Um, but it's not used as a scientific way to solve the case. Mm-hmm. When you solve the case, you need to use the logical way yeah exactly to figure out those things and that's another thing that science does and doesn't do science does give you specific like specific facts so you can discover some facts you can't discover all facts with science but you can really discover and confirm some very specific things with science and that's a a tool that science is very good at it's very good at getting to the truth in some areas um, and you can use that truth that is discovered through science as a piece of evidence, but it will not. It is not the process of taking in the evidence and then figuring it out. That's logic, and uh, we have to use a kind of logical method of figuring out what the evidence means, putting meaning to the evidence. The other objections are mainly ad hominem objections, or they're objections that try to aim at the people who talk about miracles instead of actually talking about thinking about miracles. So they'll say, like you said earlier, and that we we hear this from people who say, well, people back in that time are just very ignorant. But then again, this this is separate from the actual claim, can miracles happen? Because whether or not miracles can happen does not have to do with what, whether or not there are ignorant people making those claims or, or whatever it is, actually. Because it's just very, if, if, 
a miracle can be thought about and, and discovered has to do with taking in the evidence and figuring out what happened with it. So that's what even today we have to do. We have to take in the evidence. What are the facts we can know about this situation and figure it out? Now, I, I disagree with the idea that people um, a long time ago were very ignorant because actually you read a lot of the writings from people a long time ago. And a lot of time their their logic is much clearer than nowadays in this kind of YouTube TikTok kind of generation. <laughs> I mean, we have science, and and so that can help get certain facts. But really, people's logic nowadays is very well because our modern people, our brain has lots of distractions. Yeah, uh, think constant about distractions. At, at that time, people didn't have the electricity, light bulb, those things. Really, when they look at the sky and stars, they mm. think a lot, mm-hmm. you know, about God and eternity, those things instead of we sometimes just, uh, uh, you know, bow our head and uh, look at little screen mm-hmm. and one by one short something to just feed onto us instead mm-hmm. of we ourselves have some quiet time and have some deep thinking. Mm-hmm. But then that that must make us feel much better. We think, wow, people before us are all you know, not so smart, and then each generation gets smarter. Mm-hmm. Which is they, that funny that they said <laughs> that actually this is something, I remember reading in one history book, they were talking about this is actually been something people have been saying forever, basically, mm-hmm. that there are people making these complaints in these ancient works about the people mm-hmm. more ancient than them. Because people, it's always this kind of fallacy that the people before you are dumber and then mm-hmm. you are smarter, but really that's not the way the world works. And, and, that's not and the what main we thing see. is people before you, they die. They cannot defend for themselves. Mm-hmm. So you can say whatever you want. Yeah, like. exactly. And they're not going to specifically argue with you, especially if you have culture like nowadays and you're not even going to read the things they wrote. You're just going to kind of use mm-hmm. what I think are this kind of ha-ha kind of answer and then say because of this ha-ha, answer, I'm going to just ignore everything you mm-hmm. said. And that's yeah. why it's kind of this ad hominem. It's like, also, also think about modern people. They, um, when, when they read those deep books, actually 100 years ago, 200 years ago, even those classics, mm-hmm. people find it's more, di- of course, it's more difficult to digest than those TikTok short videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So this is these are kind of ad hominem, Say, just talking about the people at that time, or or saying that like another objection that's more that's ad hominem is people will say, well, well, you Christians just believe in miracles to comfort yourself. You know, you you feel comforted, and they'll begin to explain out all these reasons why it's comforting to believe that miracles exist, and all that may be true. It is in some ways more comfortable to believe that that. There's a God who's acting on your behalf. Now, I would also say that it's more uncomfortable to believe that there really is sin and that we really are guilty in front of an eternal God. I would say that also comes with it, and that's not necessarily so comfortable. But the objection itself about whether that believing in miracles is comfortable also doesn't touch on the evidence. You still have to look at the evidence to determine, is there enough evidence there for to determine that a miracle has or hasn't happened. So you can't just kind of dismiss, say, well, oh, well, Christian, I don't really even look into that stuff because Christians just do that to comfort themselves. Actually, that's not a good answer. So you need to go deeper to really have a good answer or just accept that you're kind of accepting this mushy way around the problem. But if we really want to look into the problem, we need to examine the evidence of that specific miracle and say, is this the best explanation? 
based on what has happened. Is this, uh, is, is this person telling the truth? Is this person crazy? What, what's happening here? And then finally, the last part, and this is, I think, the, a really difficult part, and something, this is really the area where we've struggled, because I think these other two areas, we've, we know, we've accepted, and over the years, it's just, this, those are pretty obvious. The third task yeah. is about um, why God acts in this way. Yeah, why, why does God act in that way? And why does God do miracles at one point and not do miracles at another point? Mm-hmm. You know, one atheist objection is that's pretty common is why doesn't God just display I exist on the sky over New York City mm-hmm. and Beijing and all those major cities all at once so everybody would know that he exists? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think this is a good one to kind of get into why God does what he does, because it, that is not what God is. So what God is trying to do, we, we, the what we see through Scripture of what God is trying to do with people is he's trying to, in Genesis 1, he gives people this authority over the world. He gives Adam authority to name all the animals. He gives Adam and Eve dominion over all things on the earth. So he's trying to create people to be these rulers of the earth, good benevolent rulers who are just and virtuous and good and so he what he wants and he wants also a family people who really love and authentically care for one another and first and foremost he says like if you look at the ten commandments and those things the first thing like jesus said the two greatest commandments the first commandment is to love the lord your god with all your heart your strength your soul so it's just really loving authentically from your heart now you if you can imagine seeing that I exist on the sky and God making it very, very, very clear that he exists. Mm -hmm. Actually, people would be um, scared into obeying his law Mm -hmm. because they would say, oh, this God really does exist. You know, it's like if they would, if it in such an obvious, forceful way, then it's, it's in a way, it's kind of like you think about the Nazi regime when they go to those streets and begin to enforce their laws on people. Mm-hmm. People would obey, but not authentically. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't love those well, soldiers. Just, just like relationship. Um, I mean, very few a normal person will would fall in love with stalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stalkers who say, "I love you, yeah. I love you." Wow. Hey, yeah, like I really love you, and you must, and I and Before I am powerful wife. enough, yeah, for you to make you my wife. You know, like that's that wouldn't that wouldn't uh, endear love. That might really make you part of that person's family, but it would be a weird, difficult family that you would really want to get away from. But mm-hmm. God doesn't want that. God wants us to want to want him. Mm-hmm. You know, God is, he's desirable and in, in who he is and 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 being and worshiping God is what we're created to do. But we can all but we need to get there. But we're not there. We're 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 sinful and in this corrupt way that's come from this sin nature that's come from Adam and we want our own way and God is his goal is to transform humanity first it's to justify us through Jesus Christ you know Jesus said I came to seek and to save the lost so that that's God's purpose in the world it's taking us at lost humanity and trying to bring us to be this glorious sons of God sons and daughters of God to bring us into that. And that doesn't happen through easy, straightforward ways we imagine a lot of times. It, and I think the second point is that God acts in such a way to see this happen. So sometimes people will say, well, 
Um, well, why doesn't God, and, and this is where it begins to touch into, I think, a lot of healing ministries and things like that. People will just say, well, if you just name it, claim it. You know, if you just pray and you pray and you have enough faith, then God will do it. Mm-hmm. But actually, this is also off because it's not just about you pray and have faith. It's about um, it's about really trusting in God and what he's doing and being one heart with God. And mm-hmm. so God, the because the way God will act, God uses his resources in the way to really pursue the thing that he's doing in the world. So what God is doing in the world is to seek and save those who are lost. And what we see, like, for instance, in Jesus' ministry, you see Jesus going from place to place, and he heals many people, but he doesn't just open a hospital, Mm -hmm. right? He doesn't just say, well, I'm just going to work here for the rest of my life, and I'm going to use these healing powers to heal people and to solve world hunger and this and this. And then those, or, or he could say, oh, for you disciples, I'm going to have a regular healing time and just heal all of your relatives and heal the people around you. But he didn't do that. He kept moving from town to town. He kept moving and making himself unavailable in some ways because the thing he was trying to do, the thing God is trying to do, is to seek and save the lost, to help people to hear the gospel message, to be transformed and to continually be transformed and to transform Mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. That's what we talk about in the Great Commission is to go therefore and make disciples, make others who have that authentic heart. Mm-hmm. So this is what God's action is aimed towards. And I think in the the evidence, when you look into like someone like Francis McNutt, for instance, you talk about, oh, we talk about OSL, Francis McNutt's ministry was very much centered on going out and preaching the gospel. And then in those, those kind of miracle, those meetings where there are many healings and things like that, it was all part of that. It was part of evidencing towards that very specifically. And so we see God blessing those sorts of things. We see God blessing, you talk about David Wilkerson's ministry, Very a lot of miracles, really miraculous. Like the Sword and the Switchblade is a great book to read and to see the sort of things God did through him. But it was always in the context of David Wilkerson going out and doing the ministry. It wasn't kind of to comfort him in his family life. It wasn't to put on a big sign for the people in the New York neighborhood to see Oh, God is here. It was really to add power to a ministry that was preaching the gospel, that was transforming people into disciples of Jesus, that was fulfilling God's purpose in the world. And so that is really what we see the pattern of how God acts. So this is that that third, I think, piece or key that goes into it, right? That why does God act the way he acts? Mm -hmm. He acts according to his purpose. He needs to lead his people out first and set up the, a godly country, even mm. though they fail. But that's God's intention. Mm. And then to evangelize to the whole world mm. through this nation. Mm-mm-mm. And that's he he what he promised to Abraham that all the nations on the earth will be blessed through his descendants. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And it, so you can see really when you get this filter on, and really this filter is not something that's easy to put on because again it's taken tragedy after tragedy and seeing these things for us to really I think wrestle through these things and understand more and more this is what God's action in the world is like. Um, One verse that you mentioned the other day Anne was 1 Peter 4 1 and 2 
says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So, like, the when we, the, there's good effects also that suffering and those things have on us. And, and like, the whole, the whole goal of God in this transformation, in, in showing people in such a way that they will be changed, is to produce that. So sometimes suffering is called for. Sometimes uh, a miracle is called for. Sometimes his ministry is called for. So, yeah, so this is the, the overall explanation. Um, the, the three keys, again, are, one, thinking about what way do we think about miracles. We think in, in a logical way. We need to put the evidence together. We need to think of what is the evidence. And then in an abductive kind of way, we think through what is the best explanation for this evidence. And if there is a miracle, then we ought to have a miracle on the plate to determine whether it happened or not. Um, the next one is thinking through the objection. Science is not a good objection. Uh, these ad hominem or these kind of attacks on the kind of people who believe in miracles are not a good objections. You still need to look at the evidence. And then finally, why does God act the way he does? He acts according to his purposes, according to his mission, according to his character, and according to what he, his, his plan is for the world and for people. It's often about the uh, people's condition. Mm, so Jesus mentioned about when uh, mm. a, a city is, when a nation or a city is more bound um, of sin, that actually God's miracle is more difficult to happen. So mm. sometimes we think, oh, this city is so uh, full of, um, uh, like Matthew, uh, Matthew 16, 4 says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, mm. but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. We know many things are wrong that, that we know, but then when... Every time when people commit sin and do it, uh, adultery is like you reject God. Mm. I reject God's ruling. I reject God's action here. Mm. So, so God gave you the freedom by not showing the sign, not showing a miracle. Mm. So when we talk about uh, how God acts, it's, it's also about humans' condition, humans' yeah, choice. Right. But then sometimes we, we say the contrary, that we don't see the part, uh, the, the reason for God not acting is, is because of people's lack of faith, because people uh, openly reject God. Mm. So the more the society reject God, the less uh, you will see uh, miracles. Mm, exactly. Yeah, it has a lot to do with the condition of those it's being proclaimed to. And whether or not it will, I think it's, it's always whether or not it will really have the effect of drawing people really in an authentic, real way to God. Because whenever people don't really have this faith in God, I think it becomes more and more like that kind of forcing people into this. And God is not going to do that. And God is not going to force you into a relationship with himself. Mm-hmm. He is going. If you continue on and say, "I don't want anything to do with God," actually, I don't even think He acts. I don't. And really, that's what it is. It's saying, "I don't want anything to do with you, God." 
as a society, we don't want anything to do with you, God, then God is not going to act Mm -hmm. directly in that society. Mm -hmm. He will act less and less. Even Mm -hmm. Jesus couldn't do miracles in his hometown because it says the people didn't have faith. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to see that from him. him. Yeah. They wanted to kill him. Yeah. Uh, so in the end, um, I asked myself the question, actually, during this grief time, I asked myself, what is the biggest tragedy to me and to human being? What is the biggest tragedy? The biggest tragedy is to separate from God. Mm. Just like the very beginning of the human history, that people separate from God. So... Or, or from the, I mean, from the uh, a secular view, I can say, to die is the biggest tragedy. Mm-hmm. But guess what? What what will happen if I die? If even if I'm sick, I sick, I'm sick now, and then if I die, what could happen? I would see God, and I will, I will see my dad and my grandpa, and then I will wait for my other last one. To come to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would um, be on the waiting list to wait for my reward for my earthly ministry. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's 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 all those things. It's like before before I have a uh, before I had a major loss in my life. It's just kind of like even though I'm a Christian, but then I kind of halfway thinking this way. I'm not completely. Uh, put my hope to the new heaven and earth, put mm-hmm. my hope to the restoring of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I didn't really get excited when I quote the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. that God's kingdom come, and then we are, we are part of it. We make disciples, we cultivate God's kingdom mm-hmm. with God in someone's life to embrace the future God's kingdom fully come to uh, his heaven and his earth. And that's that's a wonderful thing. All those struggles and tears and sadness, grief, all of those things will be history. Mm. Uh, after a while in the paradise and then later in heaven, you wouldn't even uh, remember that. Just like, uh, well, I was in grief for five months, but then in this five months, what is my dad doing? Mm. I'm thinking that he starts a new life and then he wouldn't even miss the life on earth. Mm. It's hard for us to imagine, right? Mm. It's hard for us to imagine. And then for for your uncle's case, that the cancer was very, very painful, but the cancer kind of shook him out to the shook him to, to realize the reality mm. of heaven and earth to to finally shook him to be serious about the biblical truth so that he wouldn't fall into the biggest tragedy. The biggest tragedy is people are not serious about God and then go to hell. Mm, that's right. That's the worst thing. Mm. And then it's the same desire God has for uh, his family and, and, and his friends who are still alive. And so you can see God um, plan out long term for the um with the best intention mm. and then people say uh even those things happen how how can you uh how can you say that it's because we we are to understand what kind of a person god is first instead of mm, 
have our own imagination mm. on who God should be, mm. uh, what God, sh- how God should act, and then it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't match with your imagination, then you just um, throw your temper, lose your temper, right? Mm. And then you, then you cannot think clearly. Oftentimes, actually, it's this pattern. Mm, that's right. Yeah, you uh, quoted the verse earlier when um, God says through Isaiah, who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord and who knows enough to to give him advice or teach him? Um, but oftentimes that's the way we take to miracles. We say, um, we have this picture of you, God, and you need to meet into this picture. And often we say, oh, it's a very good picture. Mm-hmm. You know, God really should be this way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then we don't ask God. I was there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But can you really be God's advisor? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you do you know how to create even not the whole world but the smallest thing? Do you mm. do you know how to do that? Mm, yeah, from and that's Job. That's God's comments to Job, right? He says, you know, he made you know these hills, he made the mountains, he made you know the sea creatures, he made all of these things. Mm, and from where were you? Himself. Yeah, where were you when he was doing this? And the thing is that he know that Job knows from this is, well, that's unfathomable even. And I couldn't have helped with that. Like that's the creation. You think about God's mind and all that he did and all that he put into it and all that he's thinking and considering in the world and his purposes and say that, well, yeah, yeah, God, you are above us. You are you are thinking in a you are thinking and considering things that we are not considering, that we don't even have the whole picture of, that we we like we don't grasp fully, and so we need to learn from God and not ask God to learn from us. You know, it's we think about the eternal God who has wisdom that's been developed from eternity past, and then we have lived for. You know, these these 30 years or some even like older, you know, even like if you're 80 or 90 years, that's nothing, not even a blip, not even 1% on the the experience and the knowledge of God. So and, this is today's our topic. Do you still believe in miracles? Mm-hmm. Maybe you believe when you were five years old and then after many things happened, it kind of shoveled in the dark or gray area mm. corner and it becomes your actually permanent permanent hidden bitterness or even obstacle from um, fully default to God mm. and we invite you to think about it and we also invite you to uh, encourage the people uh, around you to engage in this topic mm. um, because there shouldn't be anything in between of an intimate relationship if we have something uh, hover there in our in our heart, then we cannot really be completely open to God mm. and have a great relationship. And God desires that. Yeah. And uh, please leave us any comment and uh, subscribe to our channel. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you.